Do more with Royal Credit Union's mobile app. The Royal mobile app lets you receive real-time account alerts, deposit checks, send money to family and friends, pay bills, and more. It's quick and easy to manage your accounts from anywhere, and you can even log in with your fingerprint or face. Open your Royal Credit Union account and enjoy our top-rated mobile app. Learn how easy it is to get started with the Royal Credit Union mobile app at rcu.org slash gomobile. Insured by NCUA. Marco Rossi continues to impress even while we continue to be unimpressed with the Minnesota Wilds' ways. ESPN's Greg Wasinski joins us to discuss how realistic Rossi's bid for Calder is, as well as why the Wilds still might have a shot at the playoffs despite a rocky five-win start. All that and more in this week's episode of Bard on Beauties, which is created by New Voice Studios, presented by Soda Stick, brought to you by Talk North, Livia, Royal Credit Union, Jim Beam, and Grain Belt. You're listening to Episode 204, Season 5. Want a surefire sign it's hockey season in the state of hockey? The Minnesota Wild and Soda Stick collaborations are back and better than ever. Soda Stick unveiled its first team-issued design of the year, the Deweys, now available to purchase exclusively at the Hockey Lodge. More team-centric gear to come, plus, as always, Soda Stick has you geared up for all things Minnesota sports at SodaStick.com. Don't forget to smash that code BARDOMBEAUTIES at checkout for 15% all purchases at SodaStick.com. At Jim Beam, they know the importance of tradition. Like chanting, let's play hockey prior to the start of each game or playing the state of hockey anthem after a wild win. This season, raise one to your fan family with the bourbon that invites us all to come as friends and leave as family. Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey, the official bourbon whiskey partner of the Minnesota Wild and XL Energy Center. Drink smart. Jim Beam Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. 40% alcohol by volume. Copyright 2021. James B. Beam Distilling Company Incorporated. Fairmont, Kentucky. Hello, everybody. What's going on? Bar Down Beauties, episode 204. I'm Jesse Pierce, writer for NHL.com. She's Kirsten Kroll, your face of the Minnesota Wild, at least on the in-arena component. And joining us today from ESPN and the drop and Puck Daddy, because Greg, that's where I know you from, is RIP Puck Daddy over at Yahoo Sports. Greg Wazinski. Greg, how are you this um- afternoon? I'm good. I, I was just referencing the old Puck Daddy blog recently because uh, it, it's American Thanksgiving. I don't know why we have to call it that, but <laughs> it's American Thanksgiving time as we record this. And uh, uh, one of the things we always did on, on Puck Daddy around this time of year was publish on Turkey Day what we're thankful for in hockey. I was looking back at like these these columns we used to do and like the menagerie of people that used to like um, contribute to just say what their favorite thing in hockey was on like the one time of year we're all like positive and, and not completely yeah. cynical. And, uh, and it was a really fun, okay. It was a way to have content on a day when we were all mm-hmm. off, but also a fun thing to do each year. I mean, that's true. That's what it is, right? Like, Oh, it's an easy piece of content for right. us to, to roll exactly. out, and, but it's meaningful. We have our favorite hockey moments, uh, each and every episode. What's your favorite hockey moment? We'll start there. What, what's your favorite hockey moment from this past week? Greg, was there anything that from stood this out past week, this past week? Recency. Oh, my, oh my God. It was probably Jack Hughes coming back for the devils and playing extraordinarily well, even though they lost against the Rangers. I was at that game over the weekend. And like, um, it was just great to see him back because he had, he had missed five games. They clearly are not the same team without him and Nico Heischer. Um, and then, you know, it was also great to hear him call it like it is. I mean, you know, he said that game they lost to the Rangers, Rangers scored three goals in the third period to rally and beat the devils. 
And he said, you know, really good teams win that game. And I think he knows that this was a team with a lot of expectations placed on it based on how they did last season. They have not met those expectations in many ways this year. Part of its injuries, part of it's just not being anywhere near as good at five on five as they were last year. So it's it's really cool, like to have a player that that's that's that good on the ice, and and he could easily be the first Devils player to hit 100 points um, this season. But but also has that inherent leadership and competitive drive off the ice to constantly be the person who's like telling it like it is, which is probably why they don't let him talk to us all the time <laughs> because he's like way too unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he, it's just, it's just, he's a really great star for this league. I mean, you're talking about Minnesota wild fans. So we feel no sympathy for New Jersey or really anybody <laughs> else in this entire national hockey league. That brings me to our first topic, Turkey trot into the playoffs. Now it's become kind of this known situation where Come American Thanksgiving time, wherever teams are sitting in the standings generally bodes well as to what's going to happen. So currently, let's just recap you guys for the Atlantic. We got Boston, Florida, Toronto, and Tampa over in the Metropolitan, the Rangers, Flyers, Caps, and Canes, Central, Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, and St. Louis with Minnesota sitting in sixth place, five points behind St. Louis. In the Pacific, you've got Vegas, Vancouver, LA, and Anaheim. With those being said, Greg and Kirsten, how are we feeling? Is this something or that is that your playoffs? Is Minnesota on the outside looking in? Is uh, John Tortorella taking the Philadelphia Flyers on some magical run? What do we think? How accurate is this year's picture going to look like with where teams are sitting around Thanksgiving and then going into April at the end of the regular season? I mean, from my perspective, just kind of looking where things sit right now, definitely not what I would have anticipated coming into the season. Um, There's a few surprises in there. Like for me, at least Vancouver kind of is a little bit of a surprise. Um, I'm always surprised to not see Nashville kind of in the mix because Jesse, like we've talked about before, we always think they're going to be so much better than they are, at least at this point. And then the Flyers, too, a little surprised by them as well. So I really hope this isn't the playoff picture, but it's an interesting <laughs> mix for sure. Nashville's a head scratcher. Like they they bought an Andrew Brunette who has uh, this pedigree now from Florida and New Jersey of getting his teams to skate and score and and play great offense. And and I saw them a couple times and, and they do sort of like you squint a little bit and you can see last year's Devils in the way that they're up and down the ice, but they've just not had the execution at all. So the number is 76%. That's the number, that's the percentage of teams that are in playoff uh, spots on Thanksgiving uh, that eventually go and qualify for the postseason under the current wildcard playoff format, which means you're looking at basically like two or three teams at most that uh, jump up from being outside that picture and jump into playoff seeds. I think we're going to run ahead of that this year. I think there's a chance that we could see more turnover. I think we can see upwards of like four teams potentially that are in playoff seats now that, that fall out of them by the end of the season, because you are dealing with teams like um, from the outside looking in, you are dealing with teams like Edmonton, New Jersey, and, and some of these teams that I think, and Minnesota should be on that list too, that have that potential to really go on a run and right the ship and and make a strong playoff push. And then you have teams, like you said, Kirsten, that are in playoff spots right now, like the Flyers and Capitals that I don't think any of us really expect are going to be there at the end. I mean, in, in the Caps case, they're under league average when it comes to expected goals. 
uh, percentage. They're under league average in possession. They're really being bolstered by their goaltending. My God, whoever thought the Caps would be in a playoff spot with the worst goal with the worst power play in the league? Like, yeah. it's, it doesn't the math doesn't add up. <laughs> uh, in the Flyers' case, I just think at the end of the day, the depth is going to catch up with them. You know, they're they're riding a, a nine point six percent shooting percentage at five on five. That's not sustainable, I don't think, for this team. So. You got a lot of teams that right now are, are in that I think could be out. You've got a lot of teams that are out that I think could be in. So that uh, that sort of seventy six percent number I think could maybe drop a little bit this year with with the way that the, the uh, early season dynamics have played out with some of these teams. Greg, I just want to say the Wild could be one of those teams to make a push, and you are giving us hope when there really is none in Minnesota right now. So thank you for <laughs> well, that. I mean. <laughs> You got you guys know like goaltending fix fixes everything, and the fact of the matter is that the Wild are sort of middling when it comes to expected goals against, but when it comes to their their defense, it's just like completely uncharacteristic. What are they like, like a negative like sixteen or twelve? I think last time I saw in goal differential. I mean that's just not what the Wild are. And so when you look at the numbers for the goaltenders this season and see how below expected they are. Um, you know, that's a metric that can turn around. Um, it's, it's, it's not an un, uh, unfathomable idea that one of those guys can get hot and all of a sudden you can get right back into it with the way the rest of the team's been playing. I mean, that's the hope, right? We'll get a little <laughs> bit more into the wild. I do want to circle back on some of these teams. First of all, I'd like it to be known. I picked the New York Rangers to win the Stanley Cup this year because I love the oh, Rangers. Right. And let's go, right? I know because uh, you're a Devils fan, right, Greg? Is that your team? I, you I, am, I am, in fact, a uh, a Devils fan. And, uh, of course, it's never fun to go into a see <laughs> the, the dynamic for those who don't know, like, so I grew up a Devils fan. I've been going to Devils Rangers games all my life. It's probably the reason I am a fan is being in that chaotic environment as an impressionable young child. Um, but because of the close proximity of the teams and because Devils tickets are easier to get than Rangers tickets, it is usually like at best 50-50, at times 45, uh, you know, uh, 35 or whatever. What was my math? 55, 45. We're bad uh, at Rangers math here. Fans. It's okay. Yeah. Not a math major. Not a math major. <laughs> Uh, so like being in that environment and seeing the Rangers rally and, and beat the devils, it, it, there's always me part of me. It's like, uh, because it's just how I was raised, but it's, it, it is like one of the more unique environments in hockey in the sense that you have this, you know, these, all these teams that share geography, but in particular, the invasion of Rangers fans into the devil's arena, because so many Rangers fans live in New Jersey is, mm -hmm. is a very uh, unique aspect of that rivalry. Well, in the Metropolitan, to me, by far, just the strongest of all of the divisions. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think you'll see those teams really flip-flop. I want to look over at the Pacific, though, right? I mean, Vegas, I think we all knew they were going to be good. I did not expect them to be everything that they are again this year. Like, what is going on in Vegas? How sustainable is this going to be? Are we looking at back-to-back -back cup champions, do you think, again? We all slept on them. You know, I think we all just assumed that, like, you know, despite the fact that it's happened twice in the last decade with teams <laughs> repeating as champions, you know, they, we figured Vegas got their cup and that would be it, you know, and, and we kind of wrote them off a little bit. And we shouldn't have because like outside of Riley Smith going to the Penguins, like what did they really lose? Nothing. Yeah. It's pre pretty much the same team. Um, maybe the Aiden Hill of it all. We thought, all right, how are they going to do this again with the goaltending that they had? Uh, maybe a little bit of the cup hangover. I mean, it is Vegas. Hangovers are inherent. <laughs> um, but you're watching this team and like, you're just like, oh, they're it's it, this, 
the first two months of the season, it felt like game six of the final, you know, like, like they just haven't missed a beat. Like it's just kind of continued through the way that they've played and they played through some injuries early on and, and, and they just, they look so good um, that I think we're all going to look pretty foolish having not had more of us see Vegas as a potential repeat winner. We're talking about good teams. Can we talk about just a train wreck team for a second too? The Edmonton Oilers. What is going on there? And can we save Connor McDavid? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've said for years we gotta we gotta get SEAL Team Six together and and go and rescue that man from from that team and that franchise and hopefully put him somewhere in the U.S. Uh, says the ESPN guy. Um, yeah. But no, I I think I think. Um, you know, I, the Oilers are my cup pick. I, I picked them because I felt that the goaltending would be average in front of a, a team that was going to start to really figure it out a little bit more. What playoff worthy defense looks like the, the, the motivation. I talked to Connor and Leon Dreisaitl before the season there, they were so locked in and they had the, everybody kind of pulling in the same direction. It felt like it was going to be real. And then they get off to this horror show start. And And part of the reason it was a horror show start is because Every time they tried to pull themselves back up, they had that weight of expectation on their shoulders. This is not a team that was like, oh, maybe they'll make the playoffs. This was a team that more people than me thought was going to win the cup this year. And then they couldn't get their act together. And they felt that weight throughout the first two months of the season to the point where they had to fire their coach. Um, I still think there's a lane they can get back into this thing. I mean, I think that uh, goaltending was a huge reason why they couldn't pull themselves up. But I also think that it was just the, the spiral of it all. They weren't playing terribly under Jay Woodcroft, but it was one of those deals where like anybody who watched them against the San Jose, San Jose Sharks knew that they needed a vibe change behind the bench. And uh, now they've got one uh, with Connor's former junior coach, which sure. And, uh, and, uh, and we'll see if, if, uh, if Knobloch can pull this team up and, and make them uh, at least a wildcard team. I mean, I think, I think they're not going to rally to win the division or anything, but they just got to get it in it and they can still win it. Right. No, I would agree. We're talking now about coaches that are let go after Jay Woodcroft was fired. Uh, sportsbetting.ag sent out a press release saying these are the odds for coaches that are next up. DJ Smith in Ottawa was the number one coach. Dean Evson of your Minnesota Wild, four to one odds right now. Now, Greg, having seen what you have of the Minnesota Wild, I know probably not quite as much when you're you're based out east there, but they're struggling, right? I mean, it's penalty kill like you had mentioned the defense has been terrible terrible they're averaging four goals a game against they have fewer wins than only san jose and columbus columbus this year um and right now on the outside looking in and can't quite figure it out does that mean dean seat is getting hot in your opinion bill Guerin certainly has expressed his anger there was an exclusive he had with the athletic earlier this week talking about how guys need to be playing better but as we know the coach is the first one to go. You can't get rid of a Kirill Kaprizov when he's playing average. Uh, how do you think Dean's positioning is sitting with the Minnesota Wild, and how do you think they can turn things around, especially as the uh, 2023 year starts to close out now where I think it gets more and more imperative for them to get those points and get good positioning? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you'd hit the nail on the head, which is that you you can't fire the players is the old adage. And so, you know, if the team isn't, playing up the standards, um, you know, you, you have to be at least a little bit concerned about his job status. Um, I think there's also a lot of sort of ancillary reasons why the wild are struggling a little bit this year, health being one of them, uh, the unforeseen collapse of, of their goaltending stability, probably being the chief reason. But again, it's like, we just talked about with Edmonton. I mean, sometimes you're only as good as your goaltenders. And if, uh, if Jay Woodcroft had gotten 
average goaltending in the first two months of the season, he'd probably still be the coach. Um, so it could be something as simple as that, that can be your undoing. And, you know, the wild, I think, you know, again, I don't think many people thought this team as currently constructed was going to win the cup, but right. certainly I, I didn't see too many people saying they weren't going to be a playoff team. And so if they're not hitting that minimum bar or clearing that minimum bar, rather it's, it's, it could eventually, you know, lead to there being a change behind the bench. I was going to say something and then I didn't know if Nancy was. That was the whole pause for a second. Was it, was it, was it about, was it about Bill Guerin having an exclusive with the athletic? That must be the first time that's ever happened. Ever uh, happened. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Billy's going to hear me. I as... kid, I kid Mike Russo and Joe Smith, good friends of mine, Yeah, but they certainly, uh, they certainly don't need to tap Bill Guerin's phone to find out what's going on with the Minnesota Wild. I mean, way. frankly, I've told Billy, anytime you want to grab some beers with me, we'll sit and talk and I can write an exclusive on it. No big deal. I'm I'm going to be his assistant to the assistant one of these days. Jesse, for, you uh, got to realize it's forward. you got it's the cigars. It's it's all about the cigars. <laughs> That's she the access. Kirsten knows what's up. Summer, it's the cigars. So. That's what you got to You got to <laughs> just come over and be like, I got these in a box. They were fell yeah. off a boat from Cuba. <laughs> Let's 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 talk about Dean Evanson's status. Exactly. I think I it seems fair. Get him on board for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would exactly. agree. I would agree. I've told the I've told Billy number of times what to do. I'm like, thank you for listening to me. He's like, yeah, it was all you, Jess. Anytime. I was like, thank you. We got a real <laughs> mastermind behind the Minnesota Wild. Uh -huh. Little did people as know. Will if you want that kind of with <laughs> your name right now. Uh, but there is positives. There are positives for the Minnesota Wild this year. The positive is it's. Not the worst that they've done to open up a season. The worst year was in 29 or 2009, 2010, when they had only won seven games through 20 games played. So that's a positive. The other positive, you guys, Marco Rossi. Absolutely. I was, right? I was very critical on this poor kid, but he wasn't playing well. And I gave him some tough love. And that has now showed him what kind of player he can be. Obviously, he really went into the offseason listening to what Bill Guerin and Brass had to say, has done everything they've asked him, has been given the opportunities to play on that top line and get these big minutes. And right now, you guys, he is tied for third among rookies with Luke Hughes and Pavel Mintov with 10 points. Um, Logan Cooley, Connor Bedard, obviously kind of running away with that. But really, is he uh, in the conversation for the Calder officially, do you think, Greg? I mean, is Marco Rossi potentially up there with some very 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 good rookies mind you this season yeah i mean that's the issue is that he's gonna have to muscle through two forwards that are like sprinting out to the front of the pack <laughs> right now and, and bedard with what he's done and again the thing about bedard is that like all he had to do is just meet expectations and i think he's surpassed them in a, in a few ways already uh, especially with with how confident he looks on the defensive end of the game that was what really yeah. surprised me about bedard i thought he was going to just be shoot, 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 like uh, stage one Patrick Laine when he got into this <laughs> league. But he, he's actually a, a pretty good 200-foot player as it stands. And then Cooley, you know, Cooley's made a, a lot of hay early on in the season on the power play, but I don't hold that against him. I think you score any way you can in this league. Mm -hmm. um, and his point total has been pretty impressive. Rossi's got a story to tell, though. I mean, like, you know, the, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons why the Wild – were where they were last season is because their lineup was a donut. I mean, like yeah. as far as the center position goes. And so, you know, the thing you kept on hearing was that they had some internal uh, solutions to, to that, to, to their issues at forward. And, and Rossi was one of them. Didn't meet expectations last year in a pretty significant way. And then obviously has leveled up this year. And, and I think it really does uh, go a long way to maybe solving some, some lineup concerns that the wild we're going to have going forward. Mm-hmm. 
Where things stand right now, you have to pick your final three for the Calder. Who are you picking? <laughs> uh, well, Cooley and Bedard. And then, um, I don't know. I, I, I think I think Luke Hughes has been real good for the Devils. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there are still times when you watch him and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a rookie. Like, he just makes some some mistakes here and there. But uh, but he he could be my third. Rossi would definitely be in the conversation too. I mean, let's get a shout out to Brock Faber though. His seven apples are making uh, yeah. making some noise there too, which is which is always kind of fun. Yep. The new awards watch on ESPN will drop. I think it's December fourth, where we actually we ask the actual voters like what their ballots are, and that's always pretty enlightening. The last one we did, the the big headline for me was that like Quinn Hughes has. I mean, like a country mile lead on Makar yeah. for the Norris yeah. at this point, which we'll see if that holds. I don't see why it wouldn't with the way the Canucks are playing. But um, the, the Calder by far was like the most chaotic race that we had. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see like how it's shaken out in the last month, if there's any clarity now. No, well, let's talk about Vancouver for a second, too. How good do you think that they actually are right now? I think, like we had mentioned, at least I did when we were talking about where things stand heading into the playoffs, how Vancouver kind of came out of the corner and kind of rose and became a team that is looking really good right now. Yeah, unlike you, I was a believer. I, I said they were going to be a playoff team this year because I, I like the idea of Rick Tockett getting a full run of time with that roster to kind of like figure out where the pieces fit, but also to get them all to buy into what he wanted them to do. And mm-hmm. and you saw straight out the gate that they were a much better team defensively than they were last year. I think they, they've made some additions to their blue line that helped out too. And Demko has been good too. But like the reason I liked them was, you know, Tockett's system, Tockett putting a stamp on the team and, and also like not hesitating to bench guys or call out guys early on too, to get what he wants out of them and then and then that core of stars is like as legit as they come i mean Pedersen, quinn hughes uh besser jt miller demko in the back like they, they if they're all healthy and they're all playing well and that's been the case in the first couple months of the season i mean there was no reason why they couldn't at least be a playoff team i didn't think they'd be this good for sure <laughs> but i definitely thought they'd be a playoff team the only i mean the only thing that makes me extra happy Happy for our boy Brock Besser, Burnsville zone. We love to see him succeed, but it does. I mean, he's on this other level going back to a couple of years ago. And I think it's just kind of that mental clarity he's found. And you're right. Maybe it's under talk and, and doing that. The biggest thing too, Vancouver playing well makes me kind of want to bring back the Northwest division, you know, go back to those <laughs> old days, right? Like just a little bit wow. of that nostalgia. <laughs> That's so funny. Like whenever I think about nostalgia for that division format, I always think about the South, the Southeast, the South least. Oh, yes. And yes. what a what a time to be alive when we had the Capitals, <laughs> the two Florida teams, Carolina and the Thrashers in one division together. Oh, man. Like that was really I, I probably think about that a lot because I used to cover the Capitals. Uh, okay. I, was, I was living in the D.C. area and uh, and those it was very like you go to the Caps and you see like Southeast Division champion <laughs> banners. and You're like, what do you what even that does that what mean? What does that mean? I know. Yeah. Right? It's like they well, should unfurl a second banner underneath it. That's like the Southeast Division was of uh, the playoff <laughs> format was. The amount of people, like Kirsten, this isn't to do an age thing, but we'll do an age thing. Do you know the Northwest of it? Like, do you remember the, those time for the wild? It was a wild no, time. I don't. No. no. <laughs> I don't. In, fair, in fairness, <laughs> I, I was like, I mean, that was a wild. To, so was that, like they still had that format. That was the format before wild card, right? So yes. that was when they re, they, when Detroit left for the East and mm-hmm. and, uh, and then they read it. Yeah, so that's like 
it's like 10 years ago now because I think yeah. it was like 12, 13 when they, or maybe 13, 14 when they 13, like 14. did the, the format. Yeah, so yeah. it's been a while. It's been a while. Speaking of format, got to talk OT. I know you guys have talked about it heavily on ESPN. Make sure you guys go check out all of that on the drop and in your written work. But what do you think? What do you think the NHL decides to do about overtime, which has been a point of contention for a lot of hockey fans? I personally, I say play OT until you can't anymore. Forget the shootout. But I don't mind the shootout either because as a writer, I just want to go home at the end of the day and just have one of my stories filed. But uh, what do you think? I hate, I mean, I've always hated the shootout. I think it's an abomination. Like I, I, I it's, and, and on top of it being an abomination in the sense that we're deciding the winners and losers of team games without a defenseman on the ice playing his position without anyone <laughs> making a pass. Like it is, it's devalued penalty shots. Yeah. Um, it's become really boring in the sense of like, it's the same five or six moves that we see all the time, monotonous and tedious and a real phony way to, to end a game. Uh, Well, how would you replace it? Well, (laughs) I I would go alternating power plays to be honest with you. Um, And you can Mm -hmm. do it in a way where maybe like if the home team scores, then the game's over. I mean, we could, we could do it where we're not there all night, but the three on three overtime discussion at the GM's meeting um, that I attended was a bit of a surprise to be honest with you. I, I, I didn't think that there was this like big concern over the, the quality of three on three overtime. And it was because, like, I know why we have it. We we have three on three because we're trying to have games not go to a shootout. Like, that's <laughs> why they put it in. Like, that's Ken Holland's whole thing, the GM and the Oilers' whole thing was like, I, 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 know, I don't want games ending in a shootout. I think this is a way to, to make that happen. So when you take that as the mission and then you look at the stats and you see that last season, 69% of the games – that ended in a regulation tie ended in overtime before the shootout. And that's the highest percentage we've ever had going Mm -hmm. to when all the way back to when the shootout was first implemented. Well, that tells me that even if there are times when players are going back to their own zone and regrouping and it's not end to end action, like it's serving its function, like it's doing its job. And I wouldn't want there to be a dramatic change to the format if at the end of the day, all we're concerned about is like games not ending in a shootout. Right. I think that's right. I mean, if I were Ken Holland, I would trust McDavid and Dreisaitl and those guys out there in a three on three, too. He was completely right. For the a while other thing too is, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, he, had, he, he certainly had a reason to uh, yeah. lobby for three on three. But like the other thing, too, is that's just like, you know, and, and we've all seen the, these situations where the, the overtime can be kind of like boring for like two minutes. And then there's a shot attempt that misses. Mm-hmm. And then we're off to the races like the, the next you know, three minutes is, is, is they should be playing circus music. <laughs> you know, so like, <laughs> I, so I, true. I, even, even if it feels a little bit tedious at times, there's always those moments where it, it just gets really chaotic and wild and wonderful. Yeah. No, I think for the fans, it can be, it can be a lot of fun to see. And like you'd mentioned, but the exhaustion too, the overextending of shifts, then when you're seeing Kirill Kaprizov try to stay out there because he wants to win the thing so darn bad, but he's going to get hurt. Then is also a completely different fear. Yeah. That I have, but uh, in general, all of it's good. I'm curious to see what does happen. I do love that the conversation is there. I love that the hockey higher ups are trying to make the game better or look at things that maybe fans aren't exactly thrilled with and, and trying to do that. I think that's always good. Before we let you go, Greg, you had kind of alluded to it. And because we're a Minnesota Wild podcast, we need to know, do the Minnesota Wild make the playoffs? More importantly, 
do they make it out of the first round this year? Well, they won't make it out of the first round. I mean, well, let's, <laughs> let's not have delusions of grandeur here. Um, but I, I could see, I could see them rallying for a playoff spot. Again, look, I mean, if you look under the hood, they are doing some good things analytically. Um, you know, I, I think you, you just need to kind of figure out what's what the malfunction is defensively, and and, and in particular, in, in particular, hope that the goaltending turns around. It's really it's really subverted a lot of things for them this year. It's something they've been able to rely on that they can't rely on right now. Um, get a little bit healthy. Um, get your goaltending going in the right direction. I don't think it's an insurmountable thing. Uh, again, like when you think about the, the teams that, like you mentioned before, Kirsten, that are kind of in the wild card hunt or whatever right now, it's like, you know, the, the, the Ducks are there. Do we really believe in them? The Coyotes are there. Do we really believe in them? The Oilers might be there or might not be. And then you have a team that is probably of the greatest concern right now, the St. Louis Blues. And honestly, like metrically, they they stink. Like like they have a terrible power play. Like they're, they're all their defensive pairings are getting cratered in possession. The only reason, I mean, they're they're twenty seventh in expected goals percentage, five on five. Like they are a Jordan Biddington away from from being one of the worst teams in the West. Brilliant. Um, but the thing is, is that he's playing out of his mind right now, and we've seen it before. Where if he is playing at his best. He can carry them to mm-hmm. to a playoff seed. Um, I didn't think I'd ever see it again because I'm, I'm <laughs> a, not exactly the biggest Jordan Bennington fan. But you have to give the guy his flowers for the way he's played in the first part of the season. Well, we'll just send Mark Andre Fleury after him so Mark Andre Fleury can get his fight in, and you know Bins can lose say, his let mind. Let Fleury and Bennington yeah. have at it. The <laughs> biggest missed opportunity in it, recent NHL history. It truly yeah. is, and and again, like I, I went into the season thinking at this point there was like a pretty decent chance Jordan Bennington would have more fighting majors and wins, but <laughs> he's the man has proven me wrong. He's been great. He's been really, really good early on in the season. Just unhinged. But uh, by the way, the Anaheim ducks will continue to be awesome because I love them and they're my other team. So go ducks <laughs> fly together. Quack, quack, mostly John Gibson, my favorite goaltender in the world. So that's how that goes. Right. <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury would like a word. Definitely. I also love Mark Andre Fleury. He knows that. Me and Marky Mark are good friends. Con McDavid's up there on my list of good friends too. We call him Con. Just kidding. I called <laughs> I called him Con one time, and I called Sidney Crosby Sid one time, and it has haunted me for the rest of my life. I'm like, why did I do that? I don't know these people. Sid's fine. I think yeah. he probably prefers it, but Con yeah. Con's a little bit a step too far. That's he, all he, right. prefer, he prefers Mr. McDavid. I can imagine that makes sense. <laughs> While he's listening to. Cree or Nickelback and oh, yeah and, <laughs> yeah you, you could you, you could you could have said Canadian Creed we would have all understood <laughs> would have made the sense <laughs> but uh Greg let people know where they can listen to you I know the drop comes out twice a week now during the hockey season and where else can we find all of your wonderful content yeah uh, yeah and the drops on podcast platforms and then Arda Ocal and I also do a video version of it you can find on the NHL on ESPN YouTube channel that's got all of the sort of like graphics and things that help tell the story of what we're talking about uh, my writings on ESPN.com and then I also do a plethora of non-hockey writing and podcasting on the puck soup patreon you may have heard of puck soup it's a hockey podcast that i contractually cannot appear on anymore <laughs> as a host but i do a bunch of other things for the puck soup listeners including uh mise pod a food tv podcast and uh, a few other pop culture things uh, as well that's kind of fun we love crossing the lines and blurring the lines between hockey and pop culture it's one of our favorite things Me to do too. Uh, Taylor Swift, are you a Swifty? Before we let oh, you very go, much I so. That. I went to. I saw the Eras tour at uh, MetLife on the first night that she was there when oh. she played Maroon, 
and um, I forget what the second song was that she played. Like oh, Getaway, uh, car. Getaway Car, I think she played uh, as the other secret song. So uh, it was great. It was awesome and uh, and very much a Swifty. Greg, I knew I liked you. You hit the lottery <laughs> surprise songs too. Do you think the vault songs on 1989 are the strongest vault songs, by the 100%. way? 100 percent It's all I've been listening to. They're pretty so great. Good. They're pretty so great. Good. They're and so think- good that it makes me wonder if they're really like if she really wrote them uh for 1989 or if they're just like songs that are awesome. And she's people just are like, saying hey. they're midnight's rejects, and I kind of see it a little bit, but they're so yeah. good. I don't care. I'm just happy we got them. Also, speaking of the surprise songs, you may have one, but I definitely came at least in second place. We got Dear John. And daylight mm. night two in Minneapolis. So yeah, there was one. There was one in in LA that I think was a contender for like the best duo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we had. I think we yeah. I think we had Maroon and Getaway Car were the two. I know it was definitely Maroon because it was the first time she ever played it, mm-hmm. which was like really cool and exciting. Um, but yeah, great show. And this I was before Ice week. Spice came out and they debuted their video <laughs> again. I'm just gonna brag about it because it was such a great show. As you should. This concludes this week's edition of Kirsten Talks Taylor Swift for a while on a hockey podcast. So thank you guys for always tuning in. That's our new goal. That's our new personality is we're trying to find as many Swifties out there as we can. Um, there aren't that many in the wild locker room, but Kirsten's determined to change that. So I am. And Brock Faber also thinks I'm crazy. Brock Faber <laughs> so. thinks she's officially crazy because she went on talking about it. He's like, yeah, that's that's great. He just stared at her like, why is she talking about this? It was a legendary episode but this one will be even better greg thank you so much for joining us having some fun here this morning and uh we'll catch up with you soon hopefully anytime thanks for having me we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back hey guys jesse pierce here for livia weight control centers it is time to give yourself the gift of good health it's livia's pre-black friday event join livia today and get up to 50 percent off your own personalized program that's right 50% off your own personalized program. Livia has been a proven doctor-recommended weight loss program, voted number one year after year. Make the call and you could lose up to 10 pounds in your first two weeks or even up to 20 pounds before the year 2024. Talk about one heck of an offer to kick off the new year. I know for me, Livia has been an absolute game changer. Thanks to the one-on-one support I've received from my team at the Livia Center in Woodbury, I've lost more than 30 pounds and gotten back the energy this busy mom of three needs to get through yet another NHL hockey season. I'm telling you guys, this sign-up is one you do not want to miss. Join Livia today and save up to 50%. Visit Livia.com, that's L-I-V-E-A.com, or call 855-GO-LIVIA. This is a limited-time offer, so be sure you join right now. Visit Livia.com or call 855-GO-LIVIA. Livia is voted Minnesota's best weight loss program three years in a row. Check it out. We are back. Big shout out to Greg again. Make sure you go check out all of his content. So much fun to check in on NHL. I'm always just amazed. Like, I like to think we keep a very good pulse on the Minnesota Wild, right? Like the stats and knowledge. I can't do that with every team. And Greg is one of the many people who can do that. I'm working on it. We're working on it. But uh, yeah, I can't do it. It's nice to have friends who very much stay (laughs) on top of everything you need to know. Um, So shout out, Greg. Thank you so much. He brought the stats. He came with the receipts, and we love that. And Taylor Swift. And that was the silver lining. That like not that there was anything negative about that interview. So I don't know why I referenced it as a silver lining. Yeah, that was but like wrong my one. pleasant surprise, feel good moment of the day. Figuring out he was a Swifty, and not only that, like went to the Eras tour. Like that, he just yeah. got so many points in my book. 
There you go. Shout out to Greg again over on ESPN. Make sure you check out all of his content. Speaking of friends, um, our friend Seth Topol over at Lockdown Wild went back and did a little digging that I am far too lazy to do. So I'm going to take that and insert it into our conversation about how poor the Wild continue to play. So 2009, 2010, the Wild went 7, 11, and 2 through the first 20 games played. Right now they are 5, 8, and 4 through 17 games played. <coughs> 2009, 2010 is the last time they've played this poorly again let's i got stats for you guys here this week only san jose columbus have fewer wins with three for the sharks four for columbus chicago and edmonton each have five uh minnesota's averaging four goals a game uh they continue to suck at the power play their face-offs are also not great a 30th in the league with a 45.6 percentage um in general kirsten now are we at rock bottom now like or is there further to go um, we're not at rock bottom yet, but we sure are on the road to get there. Um, and also, I just want to point out, we also lost to Columbus. So although they have fewer right. wins than us, um, we still also, they got one of the wins from us. So yeah, no, that's, yeah, Columbus is bad. Yeesh. Bench and Patrick Line. I was just going to say, Line getting sat. Yeah, it's not a good situation for the brother of the Minnesota wild expansion team. Cause they came out at the same time, but do you, I mean, there were some pluses again, we don't ever like to go back and look, but it was a not so sweet time in Sweden. Yes. They come away with two points that I certainly didn't think they would get by going into overtime, losing to Toronto and overtime, losing to Ottawa. Kirsten, let's start with the Ottawa game. You said that it would be an embarrassment or something. There was some whole long thing that there was no way they would lose to Ottawa and they lost to Ottawa. How did you feel after that? Disappointed upset, frustrated, flabbergasted, or some of the emotions. That's a lot. Like, <laughs> I, I've been feeling a lot. I've been in my feels lately, especially about this team. It hasn't helped anything. It kind of kept me up Friday night in anticipation of that Ottawa game. But I just, I don't understand. I really, this team is not that much different than last season. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Minus the addition of one or two guys and the subtraction of a couple. It really is not a different team. So I don't understand why they are struggling as much as they are right now. I just can't wrap my mind around what changed. I mean, the biggest thing that changed, and again, we can beat this dead horse, but until it changes is Kirill Kaprizov. It's not there. This is the longest I've seen kind of this performance be so middling uh, for Kirill at all. It's just kind of, and you do, yes, there's more than him, but he needs to play better. Matt Boldy needs to go back to last week, clip out everything we talked about last week for the top six forwards and insert it into this week. It's lather, rinse, repeat at this point. And again, as we've discussed, there's not a whole lot Bill Guerin can do to change that dynamic. You know, Greg did bring up the goaltending being kind of below average. Again, for me, it doesn't, it's not the goaltending. Maybe I'm being too like naive and I'm like wishing well on our goaltenders um, because allowing four goals a game is a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But I also look at it as it's the breakdowns in the defensive zone. It's not being able to get out of the neutral zone. Again, things that you saw improve this weekend in Sweden. I think Minnesota did a better job controlling the puck. They did a little bit more of that dump and chase, which I've been asking them to do just so they can at least get possession in the offensive zone. But where do you think the goaltenders are falling in this list of blame? You got to see both of them. You saw Marc-Andre Fleury against Toronto and you saw Philip Gustafson against Ottawa. Where do you think their place in blame? Am I being too nice to them and ignoring problems that I'm not wanting to see? 
I think you're being a little too nice on the goaltending because they definitely have had their moments where they've been performing under the caliber that should be expected for both of them. Um, but also, I'm not willing to put them on the line solely because I think the defense has been such a problem. And I think if our defense was better, it would help the goaltending out. Those two things just go hand in hand. But I do think there are some things that you can blame and point fingers at the goaltending. Um, not even so much flurry, but pointing fingers a little bit at Gustafson. Like this season, he's had moments. He definitely should have been better than he has been. Well, and, you know, that was the big concern coming in. Is Gus going to regress? Is what we saw last year something he can do again this year while he's getting a bigger workload? And, you know, we've pointed to Marc-Andre Fleury probably playing more than he expected to, playing more and stepping into more instances because he has played a little bit better because he's played like a vet. I mean, Gus is still kind of making some of those rookie mistakes and not seeing the puck. Is that is it concerning or is there a time that we're panicking saying, hey, that three-year extension for Philip Gustafson doesn't look so great anymore because we don't know that he would be a solid backup to what eventually will be Jesper Belstead. I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but I definitely think it is a concern. And I had a little bit of hesitancy in the off season too. I knew we had to get Gus signed, but I think we can circle back to the episode when it was kind of looming. Um, just, it seems like a big contract for the small window that we really saw him in last season. It seemed like a very small sample size to sign him to, I don't want to say that big of a deal, but the contract he was given. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm trying to say, pa, I, I love goaltenders. I, yay goalies. I'm not John critical. Gibson. Yay. <laughs> John Gibson can come play here. I would trade Gus and for Gibby straight up. I don't even care that Gibson's old, older. It's gotta be at least like 32, 33. So yeah, I don't, I, I think it's there's too many other problems that I'm more concerned with than Agreed. that goaltending. I'm kind of just like, well, yep, it's just another problem for the Minnesota Wild. I mean, they got to get their shit figured out. I'm just going to say it. They got to get their sh- figured the F out and we'll see what happens. That being said, Kirsten, this week's uh, week of the Wild, you've got Colorado coming to St. Paul on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. That's a TNT game. Also, which will be extra fun. Shout out uh, if maybe Gretz is going to be in in town. I don't know. Maybe he could come in. Right? Just who knows? We'll see. So they got Colorado. Then they've got, they had to Detroit for a game on the 28th and then, or excuse me, 26th. And then they host St. Louis next Tuesday. How do you think the Minnesota Wild are going to fare for those three games? Uh, What are our bets? What are we placing down? Not bets. We've never actually bet. We just hold ourselves accountable Mm-hmm. what uh what's the week wild week gonna look like what's your record one and two the, one and two where's the victory? is it just straight up we are losing to detroit we'll win against st louis okay she's I'm taking notes i'm putting <laughs> this in this as we speak one two and oh right no no ot's i don't know i think they're okay. overtime games they left that in sweden they're probably a little more gassed now especially with the travel to thanksgiving hangover Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be good. I'm going to inject some positivity despite Kevin Gorg's anger when I do this, but here we go. We're going to do it. Two, one and oh. Two, one and oh. You want to hear who they're going to beat? You think they're going to beat Detroit? They're going to beat Colorado. They're going to beat Detroit. 
They're going to lose to St. Louis. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. A little unhinged. A little That's crazy. So unhinged. Kevin Gorg's going to be pissed. He's going to be real mad. But here we are. Gotta, <laughs> gotta give it a whirl. I don't know. I think they always play really well that game after Thanksgiving. I kind of hate that it's a 7 p.m. game this year because I really enjoy, like, the whole chaos of, you know, Friday after Thanksgiving. Everyone's out having a good time at like 2 p.m. on a Friday because everyone has the day off work except us. Um, but it, I just, I feel like they tend to play that game really, really well. So I think they might get a little lucky. It might come out on top against Colorado. Um, and Detroit, yeah, why not? Why not? I don't, I don't, why Detroit's not? kind of, they're not a wagon, but Detroit has been on the upward trajectory for sure. And I love that for Dylan Larkin. I do. I, I enjoy that for him. But you know what? Yeah, let's go. Minnesota's going to go, and they're going to be feeling good off of their victory against the Avs. And then they're going to go into Detroit and be like, hey, sweet, let's do this. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know, it's a Sunday I, afternoon I game. You are right. Not only and they're going to lose to St. Louis. To do better, but also so Kevin Gorg does not completely lose it on you. <laughs> For those who are unaware, obviously Kevin Gorg hates when I predict that the Minnesota Wild are going to win, which I did against the Dallas Stars, and they didn't. And Kevin Gorg, during the course, while in between his TV takes, apparently, <laughs> thought it appropriate to text me while I was up in the press box saying, hey, great pick tonight. The angel of death strikes again, and it was just like... <laughs> Anytime I see him, he asks me what my prediction was. And I tell him, and he's like, you can pick the wild to win. But Jesse, she's the kiss of death every single time. Kevin, it's not my fault. You're the kiss of death. Well, you know what? Someone's got to be positive about this team. I was for a little bit. <laughs> I still haven't thought they've hit rock bottom, but I just think we're on the road to get there. It's, it's getting close. Uh, let us know what you guys think, how the Minnesota Wild are going to do in these next three games. Uh, cannot wait. But while let's end on more positivity. We're going to end on more positivity. What was your hockey moment, favorite hockey moment of the week this week? Were there, what's, what really stuck out to you? Not so much a moment, but just something that makes me smile and makes me happy. Just seeing Marco Rossi continue to just have a redeeming year for himself. He's definitely worked for it, earned it. And so just every game, he has been one of the sole shining points besides Brock Faber on this wild team. So to continue to see him game in, game out, just be consistent and show up just makes my heart happy. Yeah, no, shout out to Rossi again. I love I love that he is in that Calder conversation. I love that his name is in that vicinity of Connor Bedard and, and Logan Cooley because I don't know that I would have ever expected that. I don't think I would have expected his rookie season to take as long as it has to be official, right? Because hasn't had the games played yet. But uh, yeah, love it for him. Uh, good kid, good family. So very exciting. My favorite hockey moment, your PWHL Minnesota squad finally getting into fruition. I was able to go check out the opening of their camp and kind of see what they've got going on. And it is exciting. It's finally here. You know, I'm excited to see this lead, league succeed. I'm excited to see the players. I mean, a lot, a lot of talent on every roster, but especially the Minnesota roster. A lot of homegrown talent, too, which you never get tired of seeing mm -hmm. um, as they inch closer and closer. Obviously, they're practicing at TRIA. That's their official practice rink. Still hasn't been made official, but they will be playing out of XL Energy Center, to my knowledge. So that's also exciting. 
And again, it's just continuing to grow the game. I'm going to love seeing little girls watching, even little boys too, watching these women play hockey and be like, hey, I can do that. You know, so it's it's great. Also, because their head of communications, Glenn Andreessen, brought donuts to day one, which, you know, automatic win in my book. Shout out, Glenn. Mm -hmm. Everyone loves a good donut. That's just already doing it right. Yeah. So, nope, I'm excited to see more of them again. They've got camp all this week and then they start preseason and then before we know it regular season will unfold so shout out to them shout out to our good friend natalie darwitz as well and everybody on the roster cannot wait for more from the pwhl minnesota squad and the leagues that they're playing against uh that's gonna do it for this week's episode as always shout out to you guys shout out to soda stick royal credit union jim beam grain belt livia and our friends over at Talk North for helping make all of this possible. You guys are the best. We're loving the engagement. Last week, we had the most engagement on an episode ever. And yes, it's probably easier to have that engagement when we're all angry and mad and sad about the wild. But, you know, it's keep going. Let's keep the conversation going. If you guys disagree with us, agree with us, it's all good. It's all good fun. Um, Make sure you comment below. Make sure you share, like, rate, subscribe, all of that good stuff so we can keep bringing you guys the content each and every week uh stay tuned for our next live show coming up in december otherwise have a great rest of your week and go wild